Hello. Thank you for listening to Art History at Bedtime. My name is Bendor Grosvenor. This story is the life of the Florentine painter Sandro Botticelli, who was born in 1457 and died in 1515. It was first published in 1568 by Giorgio Vasari as part of his Lives of the Eminent Painters, Sculptors and Architects. This translation was published in 1888 by Elizabeth Foster. In the time of the illustrious Lorenzo de' Medici the Elder, which was truly an age of gold for men of talent, there flourished a certain Alessandro, called after our custom Sandro, and further named Di Botticello for a reason which we shall presently see. His father, Mariano Filippepi, a Florentine citizen, brought him up with care and caused him to be instructed in all such things as are usually taught to children before they choose a calling. But although the boy readily acquired whatever he wished to learn, yet he was constantly discontented. Neither would he take any pleasure in reading, writing, or accounts, insomuch that the father, disturbed by the eccentric habits of his son, turned him over in despair to a friend of his called Botticello, who was a goldsmith and considered a very competent master of his art, so that the boy might learn the same. There was at that time a close connection and almost constant intercourse between the goldsmiths and the painters, wherefore Sandro, who possessed considerable ingenuity and was strongly disposed to the arts of design, became enamoured of painting and resolved to devote himself entirely to that vocation. He acknowledged his purpose at once to his father, and the latter, who knew the force of his inclinations, took him accordingly to the Carmelite monk Fra Filippo, who was a most excellent painter of that time, with whom he placed him to study the art, as Sandro himself had desired. Devoting himself thereupon entirely to the vocation he had chosen, Sandro so closely followed the directions and imitated the manner of his master that Fra Filippo conceived a great love for him, and instructed him so effectually that Sandro rapidly attained to such a degree in art as none would have predicted for him. While still a youth, he painted a picture for the chapel of the Bardi family in Santo Spirito. This work he executed with great diligence, and finished it very successfully, depicting certain olive and palm trees therein with extraordinary care. In the church of Ognisanti, he painted a Sant'Agostino in fresco for the Vespucci. This is in the middle aisle, near the door which leads into the choir. And here Sandro did his utmost to surpass all the masters who were painting at the time. Sparing no pains, he thus produced a work of extraordinary merit. In the countenance of the saint, he has clearly manifested that power of thought and acuteness of perception which is, for the most part, perceptible in those reflective and studious men who are constantly occupied with the investigation of exalted subjects and the pursuit of abstruse inquiries. Having in consequence of this work obtained much credit and reputation, Sandro was appointed by the guild of Porta Santa Maria to paint a picture in San Marco, the subject of which is the coronation of Our Lady who is surrounded by a choir of angels, the whole extremely well-designed 
and finished by the artist with infinite care. He executed various works in the Medici Palace for the elder Lorenzo, more particularly a figure of Pallas on a shield, wreathed with vine branches, whence flames are proceeding. This he painted of the size of life. For different houses in various parts of the city, Sandro painted many pictures of a round form, with numerous figures of women undraped. Of these, there are still two examples at Castello, a villa of the Duke Cosimo, one representing the birth of Venus, who is born to earth by the loves and Zephyrs, the second also presenting the figure of Venus, crowned with flowers by the graces. She is here to denote the spring, and the allegory is expressed by the painter with extraordinary grace. About this time, Sandro received a commission to paint a small picture with figures, the subject, an adoration of the Magi. The work was placed between the two doors of the principal façade of Santa Maria Novella, and is on the left as you enter by the central door. In the face of the oldest of the kings, the one who first approaches, there is the most lively expression of tenderness as he kisses the foot of the Saviour, and a look of satisfaction also at having attained the purpose for which he had undertaken his long journey. This figure is the portrait of Cosimo de' Medici, the most faithful and animated likeness of all now known to exist of him. The second of the kings is the portrait of Giuliano de' Medici, father of Pope Clement VII, and he offers adoration to the divine child, presenting his gift at the same time with an expression of the most devout sincerity. The third, who is likewise kneeling, seems to be offering thanksgiving as well as adoration, and to confess that Christ is indeed the true Messiah. This is the likeness of Giovanni, the son of Cosimo. The beauty which Sandro has imparted to these heads cannot be adequately described, and all the figures in the work are represented in different attitudes. Of some one sees the full face, of others the profile. Some are turning the head almost entirely from the spectator, others are bent down, and to all the artist has given an appropriate and varied expression, whether old or young, exhibiting numerous peculiarities which prove the mastery that he possessed over his art. This picture obtained so great a name in Florence that Pope Sixtus IV, having erected the chapel built by him in his palace at Rome, and desiring to have it adorned with paintings, uh, commanded that Sandro Botticelli should be appointed superintendent of the work. Botticelli accordingly executed various pictures there, and by these works Botticelli obtained great honour and reputation among the many competitors who were labouring with him, whether Florentines or natives of other cities, and he received from the Pope a considerable sum of money. But this he consumed and squandered totally during his time in Rome, where he lived without care, as was his habit. Having completed the work assigned to him, he returned at once to Florence, where, being whimsical and eccentric, he occupied himself with commenting on certain parts of Dante, illustrating the Inferno, and executing prints, over which he wasted much time and, neglecting his proper occupation, he did no work, and thereby caused infinite disorder in his affairs. He likewise engraved many of the designs he had executed, 
but in a very inferior manner, the work being badly cut. The best attempt of this kind from his hand is the triumph of faith by Fra Girolamo Savonarola, of whose sect Botticelli was so zealous a partisan that he totally abandoned painting, and not having any other means of living, he fell into very great difficulties. His attachment to the party he had adopted increased, and he became what was then called a pianone, and abandoned all labour, insomuch that, finding himself at length become old, and being also very poor, he would have died of hunger had he not been supported by Lorenzo de' Medici, for whom he had worked at the small hospital of Volterra and other places. In San Francesco, outside the gate of San Miniato, Botticelli painted a Madonna, the size of life, surrounded by angels, which was considered a very beautiful picture. Now, Sandro was very fond of jesting, and often amused himself at the expense of his pupils and friends. In allusion to this habit, it is related that one of his pupils, named Biagio, had copied the above-mentioned picture very exactly for the purpose of selling it. This Sandro did for him, having bargained with the citizen for six gold florins. When Biagio appeared, therefore, Botticelli said to him, Well, Biagio, I've sold thy picture for thee at last, but the buyer wishes to see it in a good light, so it must be hung up this evening at a favourable height, and do thou go to the man's house to-morrow morning and bring him here, that he may see it in his place. He will then pay thee the money. O oh, master, quoth Piaggio, how well you have done. And having hung the picture at the due height, he went on his way. Thereupon Sandro prepared eight caps of pasteboard, such as those worn by the Florentine citizens, and fixed with white wax onto the heads of the eight angels, who, in the painting in question, were depicted around the Madonna. The morning being come, Biagio appears with a citizen who had bought the painting, who was aware of the jest. Raising his eyes on entering the workshop, Biagio beholds his Madonna, not surrounded by angels, but in the midst of the citizens of Florence, and seated amongst those with caps. He was about to break forth into outcries and excuse himself to the citizen, but as the latter made no observation on the circumstance, and began to praise the picture, he remained silent himself. Then the citizen took him home to his house and paid him the six florins, which Botticelli had bargained for, wherewith Piaggio returned to the studio, where he arrived just as Sandro had taken off the pasteboard headdresses, and saw his angels as veritable angels again, and no longer citizens, in their caps. Altogether astonished at what he beheld, Biagio turned to his master and said, Master mine, I know not whether I am dreaming or whether the thing be really so, but when I came in just now, these angels had caps on their heads, and now they have none. What may this mean? Thou art out of thy wits, Biagio, quoth Sandro. This money hath made thy brain turn round. If the thing were as thou hast said, Dost thou think this citizen would have bought thy picture? That is true, replied Biagio, and he certainly said nothing about it, but for all that it seems a very strange matter. 
At last, all the other scholars, getting round him, said so much that they made him believe the whole thing an imagination of his own. A weaver of cloth once came to live close to Sandro, and this man erected full eight looms, which, when all were at work, not only caused an intolerable din with all the trampling of the weavers and the clang of the shuttles, but poor Sandro was deafened with it, but likewise produced a trembling and shaking throughout the house, which was none too solidly built, and the painter, what with one and the other, could no more continue his work, nor even remain in the house. He had frequently requested his neighbour put an end to this disturbance, but the weaver replied that he both could and would do what he pleased in his own house. Being angered by this, Sandro had an enormous mass of stone of great weight, more than would fill a wagon, placed in exact equilibrium on the wall of his own dwelling, which was higher than that of his neighbour, and not very strong. This stone threatened to fall at the slightest shake given to the wall, when it must have crushed the roof, floors, frames, and workmen of the weaver to atoms. The weaver, terrified at the danger, hastened to Sandro, from whom he received back his own reply, namely, that he both could and would do what he pleased in his own house. Whereupon, not being able to obtain any other answer, the weaver was compelled to come to reasonable terms and to make the painter a less troublesome neighbour. Botticelli is said to have had an extraordinary love for those whom he knew to be zealous students in art, and is affirmed to have gained considerable sums of money. But being a bad manager, and very careless, all came to nothing. Finally, having become old, unfit for work, and helpless, he was obliged to go on crutches, being unable to stand upright, and so died, after long illness and decrepitude, in his seventy-eighth year. He was buried at Florence, in the church of Onyesanti, in the year 1515. If you have enjoyed these podcasts, please consider making a donation to Art History Linkup, the charity which teaches the history of art to state school children in the UK. Art History Linkup is continuing its classes online during the pandemic, but would benefit from all our help. Donation details can be found on their website, arthistorylinkup.org. Thank you.